Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Aaron Wardle, and that's about all I know. <laughs> we have a new kind of slogan and mantra here at Cornerstone now. We don't plan, we prepare. Because pivoting seems to be our new favorite exercise over the last 48 months, and it continues to happen. Uh, we were planning today, actually last week, as Brian shared, we were planning on kicking off a theologically sound and deep and amazing series on Romans. But as we prepared for it, and in light of the last couple weeks with the fires and the devastation that has gone on around, just feeling like, you know what, that's not what's to happen. That's not what we're supposed to do. And so uh, Tim, our pastor of uh, young adults and creative director, he said, I think we should just call it a present help. And so we're going to be moving into a period of time where we focus on a present help, a very present help, not just a present help, a very present help. Uh, and we're going to be moving into that. And so I got the call up on Monday that I was to preach. And, and you know what? Right after something happens, there is this energy, you know, as we have gone through watching what happened with the fires, we watched so many people being displaced, we watched the devastation. And oftentimes in that, from Longmont, where I was at feeling like, okay, I know what to say to the people. And so on Monday... Brian said, you're going to preach. I was like, all right, I got this. I got this. By Monday afternoon, I'm like, what in the name of the Lord Most High am I supposed to say in the midst of this situation? Do I just give advice? Do I give a lesson? And one of the things that has been so interesting in this time is that last week in the midst, we had a, the week before, we had an amazing Christmas Eve service where I believe there was a palpable presence of the living God. Can I get a witness on that? Five days later, the county burns down. And I don't say it lightly. In the midst of this, I'm watching and going, oh my word, a thousand homes but we just experienced the presence of God and then there's this. I was meeting with a friend on that Thursday and we were just talking about it, how it seems like things were getting better and things were changing and there was this victory in his life and in my life, we literally walk out of the restaurant and the sky is black. Just a moment before there was joy in celebrating and now there's the question of tragedy. You know, looking and at this time of year, those who struggle with addiction, this is the worst time of years for in, of the year for individual. It seems to come back with this ferocious appetite for individual and knowing people in my life and in others' lives that are struggling with this addiction. At the same time, I'm watching my daughter who went away to college soar. that there are people in hearing of individuals that are struggling with mental health and that there's individuals that are very, very sick and they're on death's doorstep. And last night we had a wedding where we celebrated Jake and Skylar getting married and Kylie and Colin had their baby. You can whoop whoop on that. Just like we can cry, wah, wah, and whoop whoop, we're in the middle of it. You like that? There you go, you're welcome, see you later. But somehow in the middle of this, I stand and I literally don't know what to say because we're in the middle of these times where there's soaring and there's joy and I'm experiencing something of the goodness of God in the land of the living and watching things that I've dreamed of happen at the same time that there is grief and there is sorrow and there is tragedy and there is doubt and there is questions. There's both, isn't there? 
There's both of these things happening. And as I prepared for this week, I sat and I'm going, I don't know what to say. And so I felt the whispers of the Holy Spirit said, hey, I have written a book on this. You may want to check it out. It's been a bestseller for a while, but I think maybe you should turn to hear what I have to say, Aaron, not what you have to say. And so what I'm going to do is we are going to spend our time returning to the scriptures and releasing the living word of God in our lives and allow him to speak in the midst of the tragedies and the triumphs, the glory and the grief in the midst of all of it, because God, my friends, is present in all of it. How many of you have been having a hard time? How many of you have been having a great time and feel guilty that you're in a great spot? You know what? God's in all of it. He's in the glory and he's in the grief. And so what I'd like us to do is I want us to turn to the word of God together. And I'm just going to walk through old school verse by verse. We're going to unleash the word of God and allow our hearts and our minds and our ears and our eyes and our very being to be lifted from the circumstances around us to the truth of who he is and what he does. Will you stand with me? Psalm 46, written by the sons of Korah. Now, one of the notes that's in this is there's a musical notation, I have to tell you. And it says that this is to be sung by high-pitched singers. The reason for that is, if you've ever been around a high-pitched noise, it cuts through. Sometimes unpleasant, sometimes beautiful. But high-pitched sounds cut through the chaos. And so the sons of Korah are like, hey, let those high-pitched singers pierce the heavens with the sound of this psalm. God is our refuge and our strength. Would you read together with me? I'll start over. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. As my dad used to say when we were in our United Methodist Church, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Holy Spirit, I praise you and thank you that you are in this place. And I praise you that there is power simply at reading your word. By simply releasing and reading of your word, it does more than we could imagine. For your word is sharper than a two-edged 
sword. And your word is alive and it moves in us. I pray for my friends here, Lord, that you will open their ears and their eyes and their hearts. And I pray that you will allow me to speak and just unpack some of these things. Be with us. And may this fall in the fertile soil of our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. As I dive in and I got ready to study this, cracked my knuckles, opened up my commentaries to dive in and to get ready to just expound on the profound nature of God, I got two words in and it was as if the Holy Spirit said, stop right there. The psalmist begins not by talking about his troubles. The psalmist begins with an idea. He says these two words, God is. God is. The psalmist begins with the reality of the presence, the power, the truth of the living God. And as I began to just sit in this, it was almost like looking at the flat irons when your mind begins to see the grandeur of something right in front of you. And simply saying in the midst of all the chaos and all the conflict and all the crisis, God is. He is real. The reality of the existence of God. And that's how the psalmist starts out. Not a commentary on the crisis, but the reality that God is real. Like Moses when he was at the burning bush and he said, who shall I say sent me? And God says, I am that I am. Tell him I am sent you. Tell him I'm real and tell him that I'm here. And so there's something profound in this as we come to this place amidst all of the questions and that we have and all the situation and all the accusations and what will happen with COVID and what will happen with the housing and what will happen with all of these different things. The first thing we do is we come smack dab with these two words, God is. And we are confronted to the reality of the divine. The one who spoke and there was light and there was life. The one who walked in the garden the one who called Abraham, the one who commissioned David, that the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. And so right off the bat, friends, the psalmist confronts us with the reality of God. God is. There's an ancient practice in the Christian traditions that they've done for centuries, it's called a breath prayer. You inhale a word, you exhale a word. I want us to practice it for a moment. All of us need to practice our breathing better anyways. But I invite you to inhale the word God. And exhale is. Move back and forth, God is. If you need to close your eyes, go ahead. God is. And as that ebb and flow, continue with that. As your body is bringing in the oxygen, as you are exhaling, may you inhale the reality that God is real. May the circumstances around you not cause you to question his reality, but may it confirm he is. God, breathe in, is. God is. I invite you to continue to practice that this week. When you catch yourself going, man, I just feel short of breath. God is. And be reminded 
of the reality of who he is. Psalmist moves on and he reminds us that not only is God real, but that we are in relationship. It says God is our. And so there is this connection that the psalmist is reminding us within three words. Not only is God real, but he's yours and he's mine, he's ours. That we are in a committed covenant relationship that is unbreakable with the living God. And he partners with us and he meets us where they were at. And he said, I am yours and you are mine. Does that make sense? God is real and God is ours. And I love this because the surrounding circumstances around this psalm and the circumstances that we find ourselves living in, oftentimes it can feel lonely, can it? It can feel lonely. But in the midst of this, we find that we are not alone because God is our, and it connects us to him, and it connects us to each other. Just like when I am with my sisters and we talk about our parents. I'm in relationship with my parents, and I'm in relationship with my sisters. They're ours. There's ownership. There's belonging. The psalmist is wanting us to know in the midst of all the craziness, guess what? You gather together and you belong to God and he belongs to you. God is real. We are in relationship with him. And then it begins to talk about that he is our refuge. He is our shelter. And I think this is a very applicable and I want to be very, very careful to not be trite at all because this is timely. But it says God is our shelter. As we here at Cornerstone have 300 to 400 families that have to evacuate their homes. What is the things that you guys were looking for? Refuge, shelter. As individuals who've lost their homes, what is it that you're looking for? Refuge, shelter. God says that, I wanna move that into the spiritual realm. He says, it's not a place, it's a person. God is our refuge. He is our shelter. He's the one that we run into. In Israel, they had special cities that were cities of refuge where people could flee to and they would be protected. This is a place where God says to us right now, right here, run to me in your time of need and I will be your refuge. It says that he is our strength because we're weak. And then it goes into this very beautiful phrase that God is a very present help in trouble. This word present, the Hebrew word means found or to find. And what it's saying is you will find God very helpful and very present in trouble. It's almost telling us the coordinates. If you're asking the question, we're gonna go into this later. If you're asking the question is, where is God? How many of us have said that? in the midst of pain and difficulty, where is God? The answer is in the middle of the mess. Smack dab in the middle of the mess. It says that he is a very present help in trouble. The coordinates of his presence are crisis, conflict, chaos, and anything else with a C. Just kidding. But you get it. This idea that we are in relationship with the God who is real and the place he wants to meet us is in the midst of the crisis and the midst of the chaos. As we move on, excuse me, as we move on, 
and we continue to just move down unpacking this psalm, we see that because God is real, because he is in relationship with us, because he is a shelter, he's our refuge, he's our help, he's our strength, that he's present in the midst of the mess, because of that, we don't fear. That our confidence in things and in life and in safety and security in a future is in him. But I love what the psalmist does next. He gives one therefore and for those. He says that though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at his swelling. What he is saying is that God is a very present help in times of trouble. The re I won't fear because God is like that, even though all hell is breaking loose. The things that I thought were secure are no longer secure. When a mountain falls in the sea, you're going, oh my word, this is out of my control. When the shores are lapping at the edges and it's taking more and more ground in your life, it's overwhelming. And there's something profound about this because the psalmist is saying, not it might happen, not it did happen. He's saying it's happening right now. Though it's a mess and that there's chaos and that there is problems and there is crisis and there's this tragedy going on, even though that's happening, I'm not gonna fear. Why? Because God is present with me in the midst of it and he can do something about it because he's strong enough and he's my refuge and I belong to him and he's real. The psalmist David in his famous writing says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk, not just in case it might happen. He's going, it's gonna happen, friends. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff are with me. I was talking to a friend and we were just commenting, this family had been evacuated, not evacuated, they're on the edge of evacuation, but it was just commenting on the last couple years. And she said to me, she's like, I just need to know, is this our new reality? Like, I just wanna know, like, is this just what life is like? Pandemics and disasters and economic bifurcation and political separation, race, just let me know. You know, I'm not stoked about it, but I just want to be informed. Do I need to change the way I'm raising my children? And as we talked about it, there was something that we began to just realize is, friends, we are living in the even though. Even though the mountains are falling into the sea, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And can I throw a little tantrum right now? I don't like it. I don't want the even though. I wanna lay down in green pastures and beside quiet waters. And then I wanna have the Lord make a meal in front of my enemies. But there's this whole middle section in Psalm 23 where I gotta walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that's the reality of our lives. And I'm gonna make a confession that I think we may all feel. If I'm honest, I want God to promise me prevention of bad things. Anybody in that? And there is places in scripture where it says he will prevent. 
And there is places in scripture where it says that he will protect. But more than that, what it says is, the biggest promise is not I will prevent it or I will protect. The biggest promise is what? I'll be present in it. And I think that there's a theological shift that we need to begin to make because oftentimes we are looking and we're frustrated. We're saying, when's it just gonna get easy? And when, there's gonna be, when is there gonna be peace on all sides? Friends, that's not for this time. We live in the now and the not yet. There will come a time when all things will be made right. In this time, all things are not right. But I believe that we need to look at the scriptures and that we need to make a theological shift to stop constantly expecting prevention to stop constantly expecting prevention like God is making a force field bubble around us. When my girls got their driver's license, we put like 475 of those little like guardian angel things in their car. Like angels in the front and angels in the back. Buckle up, angels everywhere, just angels. Prevent anything bad from happening. Good Lord, please, <laughs> to me or them. But I believe in this moment we say, God, you are the God of prevention. But one of the things I need to begin to do is theologically with my mind and my heart and everything begin to shift to say, God, you didn't promise always prevention, but you did promise always to be present in the middle of the mess. And so my prayer is for my girls when they drive, God, be in their midst and buckle up for your own good. Do you hear the difference? How many of us could say, you know what? I really live with this idea of God, his job is totally prevention. And I need to begin to just say, Lord, as I grow closer and closer to you, and as I look at the people who have walked with you, one of the things that's so beautiful is their prayer is more, Lord, even though you're with me even though things don't turn out how I want. You are present in the middle of the mess. If you ask the question, what are the coordinates of the presence of God? I guarantee the place that he shows up is always in the middle of trouble and mess. And that leads us into the next thing. The psalmist said, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high. God is in the midst of her, she, not, she will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. Right there again, it reiterates that idea that as Israel is in a place, as Jerusalem is in a place where there's wars and there's chaos going on all around them, where is God? In the middle of it, in the middle of the mess. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow death, he's with me. He doesn't always prevent it, but he will always be present. Side note, this doesn't always come with a feeling. I feel your presence, Lord. Sometimes it is a knowing. So if you don't feel him in the midst of the mess, it doesn't mean he's not there. Back on track. We move into this place. that God is real, we are in relationship with him. He is our refuge, he's our shelter, he's a present help. 
And even though these things are happening, we don't fear because he's with us. He's in the middle of it. We see that it says, the nation rages and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Once again, how are we at peace? How are we calm in the middle of the chaos? As everything around us is going crazy, God's with us. The psalmist in, in verse eight and, and nine, he says, come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth and he breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. What the psalmist is doing is something in Hebrew literature happens all the time. They are calling the people in the midst, God's real, God's in relationship. They say something and then they go, remember, come and remember together all the things that he's done. Remember his acts throughout scripture. Remember his movement throughout history. Remember the times he's intervened and he's engaged in your life. When we're in times where it is crazy and it is hard, one of the things the psalmist is telling us to do is remember what he did before. And may that bring you peace in the moment and may it bring you hope in the future. When it says he wakes the wars cease, all of this is, and he brings the desolation and all of those things. It's just talking that he defends and he works on our behalf. And then we move to the most famous part of this passage. Be still and know that I am God. If you look on the screen, it's not a typo. Be small. I have prayed and heard and meditated on this section of scripture. I've written song on it. And it wasn't until this week that I began to look at what the words mean in Hebrew. And if you look in the Hebrew for the word be still, it's to cease from striving. But what it means is feeble, weak. It means to sink down. It means to drop your arms. It means to surrender. When I have read this so much, I have looked at it to go, I have to do something when it says be still. Now, I know this is gonna come a surprise to you. I'm not a still person. Like I just pulse. I just, I just have nervous energy for you and me. So being still from the ages of before birth till now is a very difficult thing. But I'm probably not alone. I thought this meant that I had to work real hard and I had to concentrate and I had to just namaste myself to the point of just getting real centered and to focus and to do something with all of my strength so that I could focus to know that he is God. That's wrong. What it says is be weak, be feeble, be idle, drop your arms, let go, release, and realize he is God. So what do I do? What do we do in this moment? It's as if the psalmist is saying, little one, be weak. Little one, realize you can do absolutely nothing except know that he's God. As you sink down, what happens? He raises up. 
When I lived in California, uh, my parents had a, we had a house in Palo Cedro, California, outside of Redding. And when I would drive home from school, it was, we were in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. And in front of it, uh, was, in front of the, the, the road was Mount Lassen, which was a huge volcano. And as I was driving home, I would be up on this high plane, but my house was down and around. And as I would drive down this hill, it was my favorite drive. And every day as I would ascend, as I would descend, the mountain in front of me would begin to ascend. And it was like this graphic. It was this amazing. It was like, it was amazing. It even had that sound. It was incredible. But what would happen is something that I was looking at that I didn't see clearly as I began to descend, it began to ascend and I got to see the ground grandeur of Mount Lassen. And it was my favorite thing. That's what the psalmist is talking about. As you and I in this moment, as we look and we cry and we wonder and we seek and we ask how we can help at all the things that have happened in our county, as we wonder with the illness, with the pandemic, as we just sit in the midst of triumph and tragedy, one of the things in this we go, I drop my arms and I sink down and I relax. And as I sink down, he raises up. And I began to know, and this know is to recognize and to experience. And then it says, God says, listen, little one, I know you think you're so in control of things. Drop your arms, not in defeat, in surrender. And as you drop your arms, may you recognize that I am God and oh, I will be exalted among the nations. I can promise you that. And I will be exalted in the earth. And so this is what I'd like to do for a few moments. Another practice that has been handed through the history is practice of Lectio Divina. It's just a meditative way to read scripture. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read multiple times this passage, be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted. And I want you to take a posture as we get ready for this. I want you to relax, but I want you to drop your arms. Just drop them. Maybe you need to breathe in, God. Breathe out is to be reminded he's real. And then I want you to hear his word. Little one, know that he is God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak through your word. Friends, as I read this three times, would you ask the spirit of the living God to draw your attention to a word or phrase that I'm reading? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. 
I'll be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Before we move on, I just want to give the freedom. Would you just speak out the phrase or the word? Just speak it out loud. Did you hear those whispers? That's people testifying that they heard God speak. Now, as I read this two more times, would you ask the Holy Spirit to prompt a thought or a feeling to go with that word or phrase? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. invite you if you would be so bold would you just speak out what is the what is the thought or feeling that comes with this and now as i read this two more times would you ask the holy spirit who has inspired these words how are you to respond to this word or phrase? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. And now I pray that the Lord will give you courage and energy and the ability to walk out how he calls you to respond to this. I pray that these words, that this word, his word may go deep into your heart and may grow up and bear fruit. May this word be a shelter and a refuge. May this word bring you strength. May this word be a very present help in your times of trouble. May this word remind you that he is in your midst and he's in the midst of every mess.
Bless you with that in Jesus' name, amen. Finally, we come to verse eight, uh, verse 11. And I'll just touch on that real quick. It says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts is the fact that God is the Lord, the King, <coughs> excuse me. He is the God over the angels, over the heavens, over the things that are supernatural. And so it says right here that the Lord who is Lord over all of our, those things in that realm is with us. He's among us, that the God of the angel armies is with us. Instead of just sending an angel and saying, hey, would you go deal with that? I need to just, you know, kind of hang out. God says, no, 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 guys, host of heaven. I know you guys went down and you were able to sing to the shepherds, but I got this one. I'm going myself. I want to be with my people. The Lord of hosts is with us. And it says that the God of Jacob is our fortress. What this is saying in here is reminding the people of Israel that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who was, is present now. And so the God of history and the God of heaven is with us. And he is our protection and he's in a fortress. I'm gonna invite the band to come up as we move into a time of, of communion. You know, it's interesting the timing in which communion comes in the life of Jesus, that he is in the upper room with his disciples and it's their final meal together before he is going to be crucified. They've seen miracles. They've seen him do amazing things. They've seen him triumphantly enter into Jerusalem and everybody's like, there's a man, that's the Messiah. He's on his way. And then a couple of days later, they're like, kill him. And that he's in the midst of that. And in the midst of that time, he grabs some simple elements. And on the night, if you take your travel size communions, and as he was in the midst of that joyous and sorrowful moment, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you because I am a very present help in times of trouble. And I'm entering into the mess of all of history and I'm gonna fix it. And he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And so friends, as we are in the midst of all the things that are going on, may we pause and may you take the bread and as you take it, may you remember who Jesus is all that he has done. And as you feel it in your hand, may you know he's real and he's with us. Let's take the element. And on that same night after he had taken the bread, he took the cup of blessing and he lifted it up and he said, this is my blood shed for you every time you drink of it may you be reminded of the forgiveness of sins may you be reminded of all the things that i've done for you may you be reminded of who i am and may you be reminded that i am with you and so friends would you raise your glass as we hold this in our hands may we be reminded that god is in our midst and he is present with us in all the situations
We praise you, Lord, for who you are and all you've done. Let's drink. And now, I bless you in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. I pray, friends, that you may know past the cognitive knowing that God is real and he's yours. He's present with you. And I bless you to be still and to know that he is God. As you sink into that, may he become more magnified and majestic than you could ever imagine. Bless you in that, in Jesus' name, amen.